coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss a financial corporation pays their premium. Next up, the Simuland of Opportunity. Microsoft introduces open source lab environment. And finally, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 87, recorded on May 24th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Give ransomware actors a pun for their money, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad. I'd rather just dance somewhere, Anderson. And last but not least, Tim. SimCity's less interesting than it used to be. Helming. Welcome, you two. And, uh, yeah. Those, those are some great intros per usual for you, you too. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As was yours. Good to be here on this rainy Monday morning. Doesn't gray sky and rain just make a Monday seem more Monday-ish than usual? Now, I don't know what it's like where you are, Kelsey, but here in Seattle, it's pretty, pretty Seattle-like. Well, it's the Seattle sunshine, Tim. That's Seattle. right. Li- liquid sunshine. Mm-hmm. Liquid sunshine. <laughs> Out here, it's just so humid, it started raining. I was like, well, maybe that will clear out some of that moisture. I'm like swimming when I'm walking outside. Yeah, it can be like that. It smells good, though, because it's hot pavement. And you know when rain touches hot pavement, it just kind of smells like summer or Mm. late spring. Mm -hmm. So it smelled good, but felt wet. (laughs) Well, all that (laughs) that, uh, lush green vegetation also, you know, smells really nice in the springtime. I noticed that more in like the the humid parts of the world than I do around here, even though it's it's pretty humid here too, but it's not, you know, heat releases a lot of scent. This week on uh, Domain Tools Science Podcast. <laughs> Domain Tools Breaking Badness for all of your senses. There you go. Man, if, um, if ransomware had a smell, what would it be? Hmm. Probably like New York garbage pile in the summer. Well, you know, if you're, it depends on what side you're on. Because if you're, if you are the ransomware gang, it it smells like money. Unfortunately, <laughs> mm, that's a really good point. Well, it smells like ruples. Ruples. Unless you followed my advice and you just give them a pun for their money, and then they'll stop doing it because they'll be like, "This is much worse than." not receiving money if somebody seems like sends me a pun. So I think that's the path to victory for defenders. I just want to put that out there. I do not understand joke. <laughs> I give up ransomware. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I thank you, Yuri. <laughs> and just as a heads up, in case I forget to re- uh, remind folks of this later in the episode, we're going to be taking a week off to memorialize Memorial Day. So you'll have a break here. So hopefully you'll get your fill this week. Of course, we're going to walk through our typical two articles and two truths and a lie, starting with financial corporation pays their premium. So one of the largest insurance companies in the U.S., CNA Financial, reportedly agreed to a $40 million payment to restore access to its systems following a, you guessed it, a ransomware attack. So, Chad, as I I just mentioned, a payment of just, you know, a mere 40 mil. Um, Would this be the highest reported payment? Do I have that right? 
Yes, indeed. Uh, this would be the biggest public payout that has been made. So um, we've already seen, according to some Palo Alto research, that ransomware average payments have gone up about 170% to almost $300,000 or more per payout this year. Uh, so that's quite the sum of money for these people to be getting and why it continues to be so lucrative. Uh, I'd actually argue that it is now more lucrative if you're in a cis country to start a ransomware affiliate gang than to start a legitimate technology company. Um, so my suggestion to anyone out there uh, deciding what to do with their life, um, you know, this is where the money's at. <laughs> also, are we sure it's not just keeping up with the cost of inflation here? Is is that not what's happening hmm. with the acceleration? Yeah, I, who can say? <laughs> so what is CNA, by the way, and what types of systems or data might they have access to as a result of the industry and business they're in? Yeah, so CNA is one of the larger insurance firms in the world um, or in the U.S. So they have access to lots of client customer data, of course, anything involved in insurance industry policies, whatnot. Uh, but particularly, they offer cybersecurity insurance, which is humorous. Um, and that covers things like your network being infected with ransomware. Uh, so this is an enticing thing for ransomware actors, right, is they would uh, come to the negotiating table knowing what the underwriting on the policies looked like, knowing how much money companies had to work with if they were to get a payout from CNA. Um, and it really just kind of flips the tables there. So if they did get access to all that information, um, that could provide them with some valuable targeting data. Wait, 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 wait. Could this be like nth extortion? Could they infiltrate and ransom CNA for other organizations that have been ransomwared and just like in perpetuity continue to request or inform of said ransomware to these organizations? Sure. Why not? Not that you I'm know? trying to provide them with any ideas. I don't want this to turn into yeah. a brainstorming session for them, but that's, that's you know, it's just. Kids, if you're listening out there, um, <laughs> this, is, this is the direction you want to go in. We're not providing a lot of helpful um, or optimistic <laughs> advice for young people in cyber, are we? <laughs> um, well, it depends which end of cyber, as Tim said, you know, <laughs> you want to be on the lucrative end or you want to be on the tired end. Yeah, it just depends on how flexible your ethics are. Yeah. <laughs> yes, mental gymnastics are important when uh, working on the uh, the other end. Be sure to mental stretch before engaging in mental gymnastics. You don't want to you don't want to pull something. Um, mm -hmm. it's very important. You don't want to pop very a mental important. hammy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mental hammy. <laughs> yeah. Tore my mental ACL a long time ago. It's oh been, my gosh, you got to get surgery on that, Chad. We've been meaning yeah. to talk to you about that. Lobotomy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just cut it out. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, but it seems like there's not much information about this particular incident that we know publicly. So what do we know thus far about what occurred? Yeah, so the uh, the internet rumor mill, you know, has this, um, well, in, in some accurate reporting, I'm sure, uh, has this tied to the 80s ransomware, uh, which is often tied to the Evil Corp, uh, which is a group which has been sanctioned in the U.S. since, what, 2019, I think. Um, and, and it's important to remember, like, you know, uh, the ransomware is just the tooling used. Hackers, the they sell um, by each other's code. There's code reuse, share, people move between groups. So attribution, of course, uh, is always very hard in these cases, um, but it's likely it should be tied there. Uh, so in according to other internet rumors, uh, CNA also initially got asked for $60 million, but negotiated them down. So um, a $20 million cut, even at the largest payout um, that's been publicly made, uh, that's a pretty good savings. 
Also, I like that you described 2019 as, as quite a long time ago, but I think that's that's accurate. Like that was at a it was in the before times. Yeah, mm-hmm. 2020 was about a thousand days long. Yeah. You mm-hmm. you used to be able to walk confidently into a buffet and just eat things that other people had been around. It was a very different time. I feel like the description of time should be changed from whatever date the pandemic was uh was noted at i mean i'm go- i'm going getting back into a buffet as soon as i can i'm just waiting for it to open if i end up going to defcon you best believe i'm going to be going to some buffets <laughs> i'm going to be destroying some crab legs by the way yeah. i have an idea for the owners of the buffets especially the ones that tend to uh attract the uh older clientele and want to get more youth uh, youthful folks involved, they should have a Friday night Iron Chef competition where, you, you know, you have to use only ingredients that are in the buffet, but you combine them creatively uh, and uh, they are tasted by local celebrity judges. Mm, like us. Yeah. You should, Tim, pitch that to Warren Buffett and he should finally open his chains of Warren buffets. And I demand that he do so it's been a long time coming. Mm. I think it's what we need to heal. I don't know if he's a Breaking Badness listener, but you know, if you are Warren, uh, <laughs> you, you heard it here first. I've been buffeting him with lots of requests. So, <laughs> is it a Buffett overflow oh. attack? <laughs> yeah, a Buffett overflow. Buffett so. overflow. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, Chad, has CNA made any statements? Because it sounds like a lot of this has been just sort of leaking out. This is. Uh, not something that us as uh, the general public have meant to just know. And have they pulled any trusted vendors in for a mediation or any government organizations? Yeah, so like you said, it's pretty quiet. Um, they did state that none of their policy data or record systems were compromised. They've been very adamant to repeat several times. They didn't break any laws um, in the U.S. by paying out to the uh, ransomware actors, right? Even though the United States, uh, certain government groups have been talking about sanctioning companies that pay out to criminal hacker groups to hopefully curb this whole tie uh, or this tide. So it's true they didn't break any laws, uh, but that doesn't mean it's a good look. Um, and particularly being all hush-hush about it, you know, we always talk on this podcast about the people that we really uh, look up to are the ones with transparency uh, when there's a breach and uh, that do the necessary steps to remediate it, beef up their teams, um, follow cybersecurity best practices. Um, In this case, it does not look that CNA has been doing that. Oh, boy. And yeah, and we've, man, and ransomware has come up so much. Speaking of conversations (laughs) we've had on the podcast, (laughs) to say the least, understatement of 2021. Um, You know, we obviously have talked a lot about the Colonial Pipeline incident, and there's just this magnifying glass on this particular epidemic. Um, Has there been any other ransomware news, you know, potentially overshadowed by the news we just discussed from last week that you'd like to highlight? Oh, geez, there's just so much that's been going on. Um, let's see. I was There was the network group uh, with ties to Iran that's been going after Israeli companies. They popped a big healthcare company. Uh, lots of new Conti infections every day, of course. Darkside had their systems taken over, and now their affiliates are angry with them about not getting paid. And um, there's something going on there. Uh, a family called Zeppelin decided to come back with some new versions. They've been quiet for a while. 
uh, let's see, like XSS, I think, and a bunch of other cybercrime forums, or maybe it was Exploit.in, I forget, but they banned ransomware affiliate group advertisements since there was too much heat coming. Uh, it's just, it's a mess out there. So um, uh, everyone who's working in the ransomware space, on the defender side, anyways, they're tired. And uh, everyone on the um, attacker side, they're getting rich. So. <laughs> and Chad, if you were to look into a crystal ball, what, if anything, do you think is going to change when it comes to the evolution of ransomware from a defender and, you know, an offensive perspective as well in the next year or two? Yeah, I, th- I think without any enforcement, we're just going to see more and more of these groups come online. It's so lucrative, right? Um, and there's there's no consequences, really. Uh, if you're in a cis country, it's just open season as long as you don't hack anything that's you know in your uh, list of countries that would piss off someone and you'd, you'd go to jail there in some gulag. So uh, if you've got some technical jobs, it just makes sense, I guess, uh, when you can make more money doing that than doing something legitimate. That's like the sad state of it. I'd like to think we'd have some technology changes that would render ransomware less viable, maybe some better like pre-baked in behavioral analysis to Microsoft Windows or something, you know, uh, but like even that um, can be more than likely circumvented. We're talking about really pretty talented groups of people sometimes who um, are doing hands-on keyboard work to start these infections. And uh, like in the instance of Networm, right, it's a like kind of a client server model. So they infect one box and then use that to push out to all the clients. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, there's sophisticated people in this space and they'll just be more sophisticated with how much money there is to be made. So um, I, I don't really see much changing other than higher payouts, perhaps. I mean, maybe with more groups, um, coming online more and more that it's going to dilute the field a little bit for affiliates. And um, maybe that's something to look forward to. But um, otherwise, yeah, it's um, not great. Not great. <laughs> oh, yes. And looping back to, you know, the CNA financial conversation. I'd be curious, Tim, what you rate that at the hoodie rating, which is that zero to 10, 10 is very, very, very bad. And we're playing off that cliche of the hacker in the hoodie. So what do, what do you think, Tim? How bad is this considering how little information we have available at hand right now? So first of all, I'm wondering, you know, who writes CNA's cyber insurance policy? Uh, I think dun, their, dun, their dun. premiums are about to go up. <laughs> but um no, this is pretty bad. Uh, and I don't know, I'm going to go with uh, nine out of 10 because for them to decide to pay such a large ransom in a climate where everybody knows that, you know, you're not supposed to pay the ransom, uh, that says something. I mean, these, these are people who do nothing other than, you know, evaluating risk. So they their evaluation was that the risk of paying the largest ransom payout in history was less than the risk of uh, trying to recover otherwise from this uh, attack. So it, I'm going to say it was pretty bad. So I'm, I'm not going to quite go to 10 because I, I don't know. I hesitate to do that, but I'll say nine. Oh, well said, Tim, and an excellent perspective on risk there. And I'm curious, Chad, if you would agree with that rating. Yeah, I'd go, you know, nine out of 10 as well. This isn't something that, um, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just expensive 
for um, people who are already tired working at the Defender space and um, and for you know companies that are going to continue to get popped. I think this was just a bad look from CNA. Um, but of course, you know, I also understand why some people pay. Um, so, oh yeah, nine out of ten seems great for me. Chad, do we need to get you some caffeine? I feel like you're tired. I am Poor very Chad. tired. Very tired. <laughs> He's beleaguered. He's beleaguered by ransomware. Uh, yeah. Beleaguered. Yeah. And My I mental space has been vexed. ransomed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, to be serious for just a second. Uh, I you know hesitate to do that, but uh, but this is an awful situation, and um, I really think that. Governments and law enforcement, they, they need to get to do something pretty rapidly here um, and pretty big. They got a nice blueprint a couple of weeks ago um, from the Institute of Security and Technology. Um, uh, but they there's got to be some kind of regulatory action and some uh, some kind of a legal framework around what companies are supposed to do with the goal right now of disrupting the business model. Um, because we got to stop making this so lucrative. So I don't know. I'm really hoping there will be some kind of emergency action on this pretty quickly because it's very clear that it's a big emergency. Yeah. Oh, it scares me when you get serious, Tim. <laughs> well, as you know, I don't do it that often. <laughs> I was waiting for the joke. I was like, no, no, he's not actually serious. There's some levity that's coming, right? Right, Tim? <laughs> but no. Uh, but we do have some, some good news, some more positive news, which is the, uh, the Simuland of Opportunity. So Microsoft actually released Simuland, which is an open source lab environment. It's meant to help test and improve Microsoft 365 Defender, Azure Defender, and Azure Sentinel defenses against real attack scenarios. So Tim, for starters, what's you know, Microsoft's story or reasoning behind releasing um, this open source environment? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, SimCity has not been that exciting for people in a while, so they wanted to uh, make it sound more exciting. No, uh, I don't think it has anything to do with SimCity. I think overall, you know, for many years now, uh, Microsoft's been pretty proactive about security. When I first got into InfoSec years ago, we all joked that Microsoft was job security for all of us in this business because they had so many really egregious vulnerabilities. But they've come a long way since then. And uh, I think it makes sense that they contribute something uh, back to the community in this form. I think, Tim, in the future, instead of your, which I feel like is the audio equivalent of that weird Photoshopping technique that you can do over words. So you can kind of see generally where the outline was, but not the actual lines. But we need to just have a redacted um, kind of like our malware. Over yeah, that's that we've what we were originally going to do, right? We Our redacted was just going to be malware. Malware. <laughs> yeah. You do the deep voice better than I do, though, to be honest. So I should I should really delegate that to you. <laughs> well, you know, that needs to be another one of the buttons on your sound effects box. I was thinking that, again, when we were recording, uh, as we've been recording, I'd love to to create a soundboard with things that you two say pretty frequently in the podcast. And I feel like I could just 
type out an entire podcast. I mean, after a couple of years, yeah, you wouldn't really need us anymore at, at that point. You could just compose the our responses to whatever articles you picked. I think we need to have a auto-tuned Breaking Badness episode. That's what our listeners are missing. That's a stellar idea. <laughs> I miss auto-tune the news. I think they're I think they're done. I don't think they do it anymore. Oh, jeez. That's a bummer. Well, okay, so how do, <laughs> back to the story. How do these test labs help defenders that Microsoft's released? Sure. Well, you know, this is sort of an environment in a box with multiple components uh, like Active Directory servers and Azure cloud services and uh, other things that you would expect to see in an enterprise Windows network. And, uh, you know, one of our engineers here at uh, Domain Tools referred to it as an on-demand cyber range, and that's a good description of it. So you can execute various kinds of attacks. And uh, Microsoft has created simulation plans that map to the MITRE attack framework so you can base your simulations on uh, known adversary tradecraft. And of course, you can assume that lots of people will also get creative and try things on uh, with techniques that might not be known adversary tradecraft yet. If someone successfully pops up and deploys this environment and runs through many of these successful tests, these scenarios, would they be self-assured? Uh, well, well played. I think one could say they would be. <laughs> and how widely available is Simulan, just out of curiosity? And how would one go actually about deploying it? Uh, so they've put up a GitHub repo that anyone can access. Um, so it's freely available on the information superhighway. Uh, having said that, it's not free. The, the uh, uh, Simuland itself is free, but you have to have an Azure tenant and you have to have at least one uh, 365ES license. That license can be a trial license. but um, And as far as how you would deploy it, it's all in Azure, as you would expect. And I will mention that it's not exactly click and go. Um, there's a lot of configuration that you've got to do to get this up and running. But the advantage is you know, it's an alternative to uh, red teaming your production environment or somebody else's production environment, I guess. So for organizations that haven't built their own ranges at this point, it's an easier way for them to develop that. And what's Microsoft's vision for this lab environment, do you think? Yeah, so they'd like to see community support for this. Um, they want people to contribute new scenarios and topologies and that kind of thing. So uh, you can create an end-to-end -end attack path scenario um, on your own, and then you can open a, an issue on their GitHub to post it. And uh, of course, there are folks saying that attackers um, might well use this uh, much like they use VirusTotal uh, to hone their malware to evade detection. So an attacker could, you know, a malicious person uh, could use Simuland to develop novel techniques without having to practice on real environments where they might tip off the blue teamers on what what they're actually attempting. So I don't know if that was part of Microsoft's vision, but I certainly hope it's part of their threat <laughs> modeling. Yeah, that's that's a good point and an interesting critique of the the open source lab environment and 
And I'm by the way, kidding. I don't think that means they shouldn't have done it. I just think it's it's a um, you know you can expect it as one of the possible consequences of this. Sure, the old unintended consequence. <laughs> and I'm just just opening up the conversation a little bit more about open source tools. Are there any others you'd like to highlight that defenders might find helpful? Just while we're on this topic. Well, uh, sure. I mean, some of the feedback that I saw on uh, Slashdot about this story kind of pointed out there are lots of ways out there to hammer Microsoft products that don't require Simuland and, and don't necessarily require you to have a uh, ES license, ES365 license. Um, and there are plenty of tools to let you do that. You know, uh, Metasploit, SQL Map, Kali Linux. I mean, there's all these pen testing type tools. And and honestly, I'm going to put Cobalt Strike in that category because even though Cobalt Strike is not meant to be open source, uh, the fact is there are a lot of ways to get a hold of it outside of buying it. So, uh, you know, any ethical defender wouldn't obtain it that way, but uh, we can presume about that anyway. Uh, and of course, there are tons of open source projects on the detection and monitoring and prevention side of things as well. Um, uh, too many to go into in this finite podcast platform. <laughs> And I suppose my last question for you is what kind of impact do these open source tools have for defenders? And what do you hope to continue to see from vendors like Microsoft who have the resources and ability um, to push these out into the market? Well, so for Simuland itself, it's hard to say, uh, to be honest. It's far too soon to know how widely adopted it will be. And like I mentioned, there are other ways to simulate attacks that don't involve uh, paying Microsoft a subscription fee, um, although for big organizations, they've already got those things uh, mostly anyway, uh, so it might not be a lot of net new expenditure for them. Uh, but we still don't know what the adoption of this will look like, but there are advantages to having it packaged up like this. Um, and I do think it's a positive thing when vendors are encouraging the community to uh, hammer on their products. Um, so, you know, I think it's a positive thing. Lovely. And Chad, with that in mind, I'm sure it's no surprise, but I'm ask, I'm going to ask you to rate this with either hoodie or the anti-hoodies, which is sort of like our goodness scale. I'm always into new tools, you know, that are um, going to hopefully up some people's security game. I did think it was very interesting that, uh, Tim, you mentioned uh, reading commentary on Slashdot, which is a nice, nice uh, 90s, 2000s, maybe uh, throwback. Um, I like that. Um, but, uh, I, I would, may or may not I have would... read those comments uh, with with Netscape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had to. It's the only way to experience the site is with Gopher. Um, but uh, so uh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give this seven out of ten goodies. You know, it'll just be a nice fuzzy feeling. I, I like any new tools, and and you know, people um, like Tim was saying, you know, back in the day, it used to be that. Microsoft was this big bully in the space trying to take down all this open source stuff. They had a, a, you know, massively vulnerable system. They've come a really long way. We have one of our old compatriots, Emily Hacker, who used to be on this podcast, is over on the Microsoft Threat Intel team, and they're putting out great stuff. She had an awesome uh, Iced ID um, report that uh, recently came out, which is one of the big, uh, you know, cybercrime groups out there. So, uh, you know, Microsoft's working really hard in the security space. Um, things like Defender have come a long way. Uh, it's just cool to see them putting out more and more, uh, yeah, goodies in this department. <laughs>
I love it. And yes, a big shout out to Emily. I saw that wonderful piece you wrote up. Um, we're so proud of you. Great work. Keep <laughs> it up. Thank you, Microsoft. Um, and Chad, I guess my, my follow-up question is, does this make you feel less tired? That's my new rating system for you. And if you like something. <laughs> it's actually making me more tired just because I can't stop hearing that. It's like a 90s uh, alt-rock song. What was it from Dada? I'm going to Disneyland. Uh, but it's with Sim- <laughs> Simuland. So that's actually hurting my brain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, what's your rating here? Yeah, he might have rated it at eight goodies if that song hadn't been stuck in his head now. Uh, oh, shoot. But um, yeah, I, I'm i going to go a little bit lower only because uh, I we don't know... Um, we don't know how well it'll be adopted and how much impact it will ultimately have. But I do think it's a good thing. But anyway, so uh, I don't know. Put me down for six goodies for this one. Lovely. Well, hey, we we did a happier article discussion. We're boosting our positivity over here, so that's that's good. Some good. It wasn't life. about ransomware. Yay! <laughs> you could simulate a ransomware attack in it. <laughs> you had to bring it back, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, now we're up of course, for our game, Two Truths and a Lie. And rather than the typical classic version of this game, one of us each week reads off three article titles, two of which are true and actually occurred, one of which is a lie. And um, of course, there's a point system. And I, th- I think um, I think Tim, you're up this week, right? For providing the articles? Well, if, I, if it's not my turn, then I provided, I did some research all for naught. So yes, I believe I believe that would be me. All right, Tim. We're ready. You ready? Okay. Story number one. Russian hacking forum says the first rule of ransomware is you don't talk about ransomware. Story number two. Air India says its recent breach was nearly twice as large as initially reported. Story number three. Yuffie users, yeet or euthanize your useless Yugos of insecurity cameras. Well done. That was some fine alliteration there, Tim. Why, thank you. You're welcome. I'm doing one of those bows where I sort of whirl my hand around. I don't know oh, I did one called. of those two towards you. I don't know why I was bowing. I didn't do anything impressive. Oh, wow. <laughs> As uh, as Holly, my uh, my main squeeze would say, we have an energetic rope. Oh, that's lovely. Yes, yes I just felt your energetic rope go through my arm and bow with you. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, these are really good, Tim. Um, per usual, I'm going to say the first one is a lie. That is my my best guess. I think the second one is true, and. The, well, actually, you know that I'm saying this out loud. I'm going to say the third one is a lie because that alliteration was potentially made to distract me from the truth. So I'm mm. going to say number three is the lie. I'm going to go with number two as the lie, as I do not remember uh, any seeing any news on Air India breach. Well, as it turns out, uh, the Air India breach is worse than initially reported. But mm. it's not nearly twice as large. So well done, Chad. Wah, that was wah. the lie. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Zing. Point for Chad mm-hmm. and point for Tim writing that down. Oh, boy. I think now um, where we're at from a binary perspective, you two are neck and neck. Um, I think, Tim, this leaves you at 1,100. Chad, 1,011. And I can't remember. I think I might be 10,100. Wow, Chad's at 1011. That's like what used to be my favorite airplane to fly on, the Lockheed L1011. I forgot that you've flown airplanes. Well, I flew on the Lockheed L1011. I did not pilot it. No, that would be a uh, uh, 300 passenger, three jet airplane. I've not flown anything like that. I'm hoping that you flew inside of the plane, Tim. I uh, actually, that's a good, that's a really good point. Why do we say on planes? You know, like yeah. people are, I've got a big saddle on top. Uh, <laughs> I wish that would be so much more entertaining. That would be pretty rad. Yeah. Oh, that's how they get rid of those in-flight entertainment systems. For sure. You just strap someone on top of the plane and they're surely not worried about what movie they're going to watch. <laughs> they're not going to complain about the drink service either. Mm-mm. It may be more comfortable though. Don't Nobody's going to kick the back of their seat. Yeah. Nobody tell EasyJet about this conversation. <laughs> or, or Ryanair. Or yeah, Ryanair. Ryanair. Yeah. It might get in very poorly. <laughs> and we complain about the diverted. standing room. <laughs> uh, still waiting for that to happen in airplanes. They're, I hope we're waiting people. forever. Me too. If you ever want to feel claustrophobic, I highly recommend Googling standing air seats i don't know if seats is the right way to describe standing but gosh they look just terrible (laughs) i wouldn't mind being thrown into like a tiny coffin uh you know and flown through the sky if it was on the cheap and i got some you know anesthesia beforehand and i just like woke up and was like at another airport bar with like another bloody mary in front of me I mean, if it's literally horizontal, then, (laughs) you know, yeah, then I'd be in the same, uh, I'd do it. I would pay for that. I need him to sneak up on me while I'm having my airport beer, though. Gas me, put me down into the end of the little coffin, throw me on the plane. And then I need to come to sitting at a at a like very different airport bar with a half full beer again. Well, you know, they could just (laughs) uh, they, they could just put something into your airport beer. Uh, Uh, yeah. Have to necessarily sneak up behind you. Yep, and then a nice <laughs> welcome to welcome to Paris, Mister. I'm I'm sure that there's uh, this is being focus group tested right now. I mean, there's Surely. there's there can be no question that that's got to be going on somewhere. They've already got the tagline: "Don't yeah. cough up the cash, travel in a coffin." You know, there's something there. Oh, mm. yeah. There's no coffin in our coffin. Oh yeah, there you go. Or at least no one else is. <laughs> This took a disturbing turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Airline execs, I can help you save money. <laughs> Nobody give Chad any contact information. I don't want you to wreak havoc on our travel plan. But seriously, Ryanair is the one that would be that would be doing this, right? Like Correct. they, they yeah. are like it hostility toward their customers is kind of their their brand. <laughs> that, that is when you their go brand. to those hot dog restaurants and they yell at you, it's kind of like that. You'd like pay more money to be yelled at by the Ryanair people. That's right. It's like the opposite of Southwest. They're like, where every seat is economy class. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Well, I can't think of a better conversation topic to end on. And of course we have, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, uh, we're taking a week off here, so we won't be back um, until, let me see, let me pull up my handy dandy calendar. We'll be back in your ears on June 9th. So wishing everybody a happy and safe Memorial Day if you reside in the United States. Otherwise, you don't get a holiday. I'm sorry. You have to work. Um, but we hope it's lovely still. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to let Chad get some rest. He's tired. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even do a Wookiee uh, Wookie roar. Too no. tired to be tired, Wookiee. <laughs> that was good. That was good. You've been working you. on that, I can tell. I'm yeah. also a little tired, so it came naturally. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. We'll see you next time on Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.